0: All right, welcome back to Unemployed with Anna Roisman. Oh, it's me, Anna Roisman. And you know what, today I I was like, I'm going to say 30% employed, but some days that's just that's the life, you know. And we embrace it and we love it. And you know, this podcast is for everyone. It's for if you're a very successful person at a job, but you're sitting there listening to this at your job because you're miserable, uh, or you're unemployed, or you're newly unemployed. We welcome everybody. Um, and today we have an amazing guest. I'm so excited to have this conversation with her. I, I love her so much. She is an icon, I must say, in the New York storytelling scene. Uh, an amazing storyteller. She has won the Moth Story Slam. That's Seven times. Seven times. That's insane. I've never even been picked. Uh, she also had a one-woman show at Joe's Pub called The Shit Show. And she has a great documentary out called The Fabulist," which you it's winning a bunch of awards. Hopefully, we'll all get to see it very soon. And when it's not a pandemic, she's the co-host of Taboo Tales. But guess what? I think for the next hour, I think she's a little unemployed because she's here to hang out with us. So uh, give it up for Sandy Marks. Hi. Yay! I'm so glad to be here. Oh, Thank you for so having me. I'm to have you. The crowd yeah. goes wild. <laughs> Yay! Yay! So how are you? Where are you? She used to be my neighbor. You were
1: in Greenpoint. I was in Greenpoint for two years. And now we have all left uh, New York City for the beach. And we've spent <laughs> the last five months in Southampton where we have a house. And we are basically raising dogs, cats children. I have a grandchild here. I have uh partners of all my children. Uh my cat Tanya Harding. We're all here. We're all you here. You have cat Tanya Harding? Yeah, Tanya Harding. She's oh. my cat. Yeah, she has Tanya's personality. So uh she runs the house. So yeah, out. so it's been it's been five months of like a lot of mop and glow and uh what do you want for dinner and going to C V S and uh it's uh, been exciting, I got to it, say it's not easy, but we're getting a through. You're very good,
0: mom. That is, you know, when the yeah. pandemic started, my parents they, you know, they live in an apartment and they were like, "Hey, we're hearing about all these kids coming home and, you know, leaving their <laughs> Their city life? Uh, yeah, no, our door is locked. Do not bring COVID here. We well, are I hear it. Closed. I
1: understand it. But it's actually, because I'm a new grandma, it's been amazing. So mm-hmm. I have, I would be lying if I said it's difficult. It's not. It's actually great. And <laughs> I like it. You know, I, the bar is really low for having an organized household. You know, it's a mess, <laughs> but I don't care. You know, it brings back all the memories of what it's like to have kids. I love it. So, um, so it's nice. actually been a lot of fun. And it also makes me feel like I have a job because I haven't worked in so fucking long. <laughs> that this is like it's like it feels like oh I have something to do I have to go buy milk you know because when it's just Keith and I my husband and we, you know we're just kind of we spent a year just watching everything on television that on every like uh, new Netflix, Hulu. Great. We went through the entire no thing. ran studio. out. We're all done. Yeah. So I'm not going to exercise, for God's sake. So <laughs> that's not happening. The one time I did exercise, I went outside in Greenpoint after my one time on a Peloton and I got into a car accident and I decided that it was a bad omen. I shouldn't exercise oh anymore. Oh, my God. Yeah. I was run over by an Uber what? cab. That yeah. was after
0: your first time exercising on a Peloton? Yes.
1: The first oh. time I got on a Peloton and I was feeling like... I'm all jacked up and now I need to buy leggings. And I went outside. I was like, whoop de doop doop
0: That was when you broke your leg? I remember yeah, this. Yeah,
1: I, I got, my foot was crushed by a taxi cab. Yeah, I went flying in the air. Yeah, and I decided that's a sign I'm not supposed to exercise anymore. So that's it. I haven't exercised since.
0: You know what? God bless. i, I I'm you know, it's It's a silver lining. I think a lot of people are looking for that excuse to not exercise. You got it handed to you, you know? not going to uh, exercise. It's
1: overrated. <laughs> it's overrated. The only exercise I need is, Using a shopping cart at Stop and Shop. That's it. Got it. Got it. That's I love it. All, well, your life I mean.
0: sounds amazing right now. Ellen and I are yeah. moving in. I think we should go Good. to the. I, I want to come to the yeah. Hamptons. Um, you can come anytime. You I'm actually going to be there soon. I oh, have a really? wedding in Southampton. We're staying at yeah oh. in Southampton in a couple of weeks. I'll text you all about right. it after. You text me. You
1: will come visit me. Come visit me.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going for two nights, I think. And my parents are like, "You're not invited Friday night." And so we're like, "So what do what do we do? We just." Go out to dinner on our own? They're like, I guess. Figure, find plans. I'm like, yeah, well,
1: there's lots of places to go. We will discuss. <sighs> oh, I Or know. you can come
0: here. I'll feed you.
1: It's a scene. It's a scene sometimes. It's a scene. Yeah. We don't even, I mean, take part in the scene because I'm too cheap to go to restaurants. Because the restaurants <laughs> out here are so expensive. So we just cook every night. Some and some I get angry are the same at those as restaurants. the ones in the
0: city, though. Like, they have the, you know, yeah. there's Hampton's oh, yeah. version, but it's, like, fancier. That's right. And I'm like, it's not but they're fancy not, in the city. They're not
1: fancy out here either. And I'm not really into seeing waitresses at $40 a plate, you know, like for a piece of chicken wearing white tennis shoes. I'm sorry. Dress up. I'm not interested. It's not for me. I don't like it. So, no, 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 It's all right. We stay home. But it was also a movie.
0: pandemic. I still feel weird going to a restaurant. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's totally yeah. fine. Yeah. We're um, still in it. All right, so you're so you're you're working now for the family. You have been very busy. It sounds like yes, it's like. Did you ever watch Big
1: Love on HBO? Yeah, like I'm like the head of the sister wives. I'm basically (laughs) just. I'm not kneading the bread, but I'm basically making sure the French toast is being served. She's she's running the household. I'm changing my pinafore every day. Yeah, it's great. I'm running. Keeping the household going.
0: That's <laughs> yeah, fine. I love it. I love it so much. But you were always, yeah. you, I, you know, I've known you for years, and you're just always so fun, and you have the best stories, oh, and I'm very thanks. excited that you're on here to talk to us about, because I didn't yeah. know your life before you were in comedy. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I, I didn't realize. Well, it's a, I have an interesting lived past.
1: Yes. Oh, I've had a big life, and I was a talent agent for 20 years. I,
0: wild. For for yeah, yeah. sp- for any for comedy? For like um actors? I represented
1: celebrities and regular New York actors uh, for commercials and voiceovers. For Wild. 20 years. I had done an agency, my own agency with partners called SEM&M for, tw- for a long time. I we wish were you were like, my agent. We were hot shots back then in the day. Yeah. You smoke yeah.
0: cigarettes. You're like, I got, have I got the yeah. client for you, honey? Yeah, yeah I was
1: in Tarotons and I had my feet up on the desk. And yeah, yeah. As the a matter of fact, our, um, our mutual friend Sharon Spell has a little, um, she did a little pilot, a comedy pilot, and I played the casting director in it. Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, typecasting. Yeah, yeah. I so, love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I still stay in touch with a lot of actors that I represented. So it's a lot of fun.
0: That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. So I want to take it back even further before then. I like to know, you know, where did you grow up and what was like the first job that you had that you, you know. All right. Well, I grew up in Queens in New
1: York in Forest Hills, which is not, you know, it's okay. It's nice. Mm -hmm. It's fine. And my first job, I was in high school. I think it was like, I was probably like 16. And I worked at a place called the Gordian Knot, which was a jean store that specialized in Jordache and, um. Jordache jeans, and they came with like matching jackets or vests. Cool. They were hip huggers. It was a big deal, Jordache, yeah. back in the day. And the other brand was Sassoon. Believe it or not, these were the two big brands. So my job, because I was too young to like work behind a register, really. So I was the one who would chalk the hemline on the jeans. Okay. So you would people would try on their jeans. And then they would need them hemmed. Right. So I I had like tailor chalk. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. And I also, I'm like very uh, lazy and probably nearsighted. So I know I never got it right. And every time they'd come <laughs> pick up their hem jeans, I would like hide in the back because I knew it would be the wrong. They're neck. trying them on one leg's like shorter yeah, it was than the other. Leg. And I would say, well, you might have one leg longer than the other. Meanwhile, I was measuring both legs, but it would never, but that was my first job and it was fine. And it probably paid like $4 an hour because I'm old. So back then the minimum wage was like, four dollars an hour probably and then I worked like three other jobs at the same time like at the drugstore I was the cashier um mm-hmm. and my parents owned a toy store called toy town when I was a fun. kid and I worked at the cash register Christmas time I would badly wrap all the presents because I was <laughs> not it was none of it was good that's fun so, your parents had a toy yeah. store though like that they but it was only for like a couple of years and then they went bankrupt and they lost the store. And oh, I came no. home from my, from one day from high school, I was like, went to work and it was like on this main boulevard in Forest Hills. And there was one of those like Marshall's padlock on the door with a notice saying, you know, like you're basically, it you should have said your parents fucked up and the store is closed. Oh, no. that's what it should have said. <laughs> but I was so embarrassed. I was 17 years old and all my friends walked by the store. Oh, it's it horrifying. So anyway, I'm so sorry. it was a short lived career with G.I. Joe and. (laughs) And all the silly putty shit that was going on. But it was it was okay. Did you ever wrap the present properly? uh, uh, now I'm really good at it. If you ever need anything done, I know how to like do the whole thing. Yeah. Cool. Fold in my (laughs) seams and I this is very. I don't know how.
0: I've never given my boyfriend a present wrapped in his life, and he does a perfect job when he gives me something and I'm just Oh, does he really? uh, Did you give him like
1: a shopping bag? Yeah, right. And I put a ribbon now. And I think if I take a scissor with the ribbon and I just like to like make curling. it into like curls. Here, here's your present. Wow, that's yeah, never really good. That's So fancy. those were those were basically my first high school jobs. And then when I went to school, I didn't really work in school because I went away to school in Florida, and I. For some crazy reason, I know it was a mistake. I was on a full scholarship. I I think they just needed like one or two Jews down in Tampa, Florida, which is where (laughs) I went to school. So I was like the token Jew. Like
0: we need a couple Jews now. Florida's like get them out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this was in Tampa. This was Tampa. Tampa's different. So not
1: very Jewish town. And they were just starting a big theater department, and I wanted to be an actress. So. They gave me a full scholarship and my housing cost practically nothing. So I didn't really have to work because I thought I was going to have to pay for school. So I'd saved all my working at the jean store money. Um, It was so not Jewish there. I swear one of the students, I'm not making this up. He one day asked if he could see my horns. My (laughs) horns because I'm a Jew. He said, can I see your horns? I was like, excuse what? me? He, his mother told him that Jewish people have horns. No. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't stay there. I wow. transferred. I went to NYU. I, I didn't stay there. And then I went to the drama department at NYU, which Oh, you did? Exceedingly better. Yes, I did. Wow.
0: I didn't My know you were at NYU. So, no, You were an NYU alum. Wow. Alum. Well, I never graduated. I didn't graduate. Good. Yeah. You didn't graduate? I ran out of money.
1: And I wasn't like I couldn't waitress or anything because I'm clumsy and lazy. It's not a combination for waitressing. Like no, you, can't, you can't do it. I would have been like <laughs> whining and moaning and dropping. So I would have been paying for dry cleaning. And so, so I took this other route, which, which I started to tell you a little earlier is trade shows. Now, I don't know if you know what that is. But in the olden days, to advertise products before the internet, we had trade shows. Right. And it was usually like C minus women who weren't pretty enough to model and they weren't talented enough to get hired like in a Broadway show. And they worked for, there was an agency that I worked for. And it was like they were my pimp, basically. And they would send me on jobs that pay pretty well to basically um like the shoe show. And there's like a toy show and a car show and a boat mm-hmm. show. And the job of me or all the other women they hired was to stand there in front of a boat. And or like a presenter and present it, okay? But I wasn't really, like, tall or pretty enough to present boats. So I had the smaller shows, like the toy show, where <laughs> I would go to the, like, the toy district downtown in the Flatiron District. And I had to demonstrate one toy for, like, nine hours in a row. It was <laughs> for 10 days in a row.
0: Did you, like, know the other – were you guys, like, were talking to the other girls and stuff? Yeah, yeah, I mean, there was a core. Yeah. Yeah,
1: there was a core. But, like, some of the jobs were a little unsavory. Like, the toy show was fine. I was also a shoe model because I wear a size five-and-a-half shoe. So I have really hideous feet. So I couldn't model my toes. But I could model my feet in shoes. So (laughs) – I would go to the shoe show, which back then, there was no Javits Center. It was way before the Javits Center. It was at the New York Coliseum, okay, (laughs) which was where, like, that shopping center is on 59th Street in Columbus, Ergo. Oh, Yeah. so all the shoe buyers from all over the country would come in for this one week for the shoe show, like Bloomingdale's and Macy's. And I always got hired by like the cheapest shoe company. Like Steve Madden would be fancy compared to these shoes. So okay. they were made out of like pleather or plastic. And they were like, you know, FMPs, those high heel fuck me pumps they're called. I don't know <gasps> what I'm talking about. So high
0: heel fuck me pumps? They're
1: called FMPs.
0: I didn't know You didn't this. know that? No, oh, do you know
1: that? FMPs, yeah, FMPs. no. Nope. So, oh, FMPs. FMPs. so I had to put on the FMPs, and then you have to walk <laughs> around and show the buyers the shoes back then. That's how they would exhibit the shoes. And you do that for like eight hours
0: in a row. Oh my God. And you you I go hungry. Like, they can't see my feet without shoes on, but they were like, oh, you got to see this girl in a shoe. <laughs> You got to see you got to see that ankle,
1: and I would go home. My feet were like bloody stumps by the no. time I go home. Eight hours in a shoe, and it a was cheap shoe hot, too. Cheap shoe, but it was like it was a lot of money. It was like ten dollars an hour. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah. So I did all those shows, and then the worst one of those was the bike show. But they didn't tell me till the last minute that I had, it was a bike that was made of these components that I had to demonstrate taking the entire bike apart. <laughs> Like a bicycle? A bicycle. And then I had to put the entire bicycle back together. (laughs) But nobody taught me how to do it they just like oh oops we forgot to show you so all these businessmen like a lot of japanese companies would come again to the coliseum to see this bike with all the components and i was just standing there with like a pile of like wheels and nuts and brake wires and shit and i had to figure <laughs> out i was like oh, i didn't know what to do with oh my i think God. i got i think i got fired from that one i think I like the lucille
0: ball episode of her being it's, like didn't, yes yes together like yeah, okay
1: it, I, it it was a disaster. But then, and then, and I didn't really, then I got, they sent me on this one job, the World Trade Center, obviously, I'm old. I had to dress as Wonder Woman. Why? I don't know. It was for a business machine company. Dress as oh, Wonder Woman, stand at the top of the escalator at the World Trade Center that uh-huh. comes up from the subway. Okay. I, you can picture that, they would have like, you know, like an esplanade and it goes down to the subway and, yeah. And I'd have to stand there fully dressed like Wonder Woman <laughs> and hand out flyers. Like wow. some cheap, like hussy with a <laughs> whole outfit. I had on like plastic boots and a bustier thing. And it was horrifying. I was so embarrassed. I would see people I knew that I grew up with oh, going to work, no. coming up that escalator. Well, and the boss, this guy, he would like slap me on the ass and say, move your ass, honey. Because in the old days, you can do that. Nobody oh, would get in trouble. No. So. <sighs> It was basically what I realized many, many years later. I didn't know it then. But I was basically being pimped out by like an agency that probably also did escort services. Oh, God. It was like all these girls that were kind of attractive but not really pretty and (laughs) didn't look too cheap. Like we looked like we were okay. Like we weren't (laughs) – We weren't like butterfaces, but we weren't great. And they would send us out on the field to go do all these jobs. I even got sent to St. Thomas down in the islands with a guy who was promoting a new hotel for a travel show. And I kept saying, why do I need to go down to St. Thomas with him? And it wasn't until like a year later that I realized he was just trying to have sex with me (gasps) in St. Thomas. They sent me. You know, I flew first class with him. Oh, my God. He looked like Jeffrey Epstein. I swear. He really did. He owned this hotel. I went with him. He said I really want you to see the hotel before we send you off to the travel show. What? Which seemed awfully generous and crazy. And then I realized when I got down there, he just wanted to have sex no. with me. So I would like double bolt the door every night. He'd knock on the door. <gasps> Want to go out for dinner? Let's go to the casino. And I'd say, no, no, no. I'm really tired. And he probably wanted to kill me because oh he my thought God. I was. Yeah. Yeah. I was so That's naive. Crazy. I was so stupid. Yeah. I was like 20
0: years old. I didn't I'm glad know you were better. so naive though. And you weren't like, yeah. sure, let me open the door and go to dinner. Like you weren't that naive. You knew no, you knew something no. wasn't right here. It
1: didn't. It just didn't feel right. And And he scared me. He was too old. Like I was like 20. He was like 40. You know, yeah. it wasn't. Anyway, no. so I I I'm went through s- all that. Yeah, it was not that. So that was my first like high paying in my world gig. Was it's being funny you say that like though when you that.
0: describe all of these jobs like. That's kind of like on the level of all the jobs that the comedians do when they're like new at UCB, and UCB's like, we got a gig for you. You're gonna be a, you know, a spokesman for like whatever this is. You're gonna stand outside and hold a f- sign and be silly. You're an improviser. You're funny. Oh, that yeah. sounds cheesy. They're cheesy jobs, yeah. Or like the girls uh, who we had someone on the podcast who, did, who flyered in Times Square. You know, uh, or like where they hold the fly. Like the Chicago girls you've seen them in Times Square where they're like in the full. Costume. Have you seen these girls? Like they no. wear the full outfits, like they're in Chicago, the musical. <laughs> and they're, they're not just, in the show? No, they're just handing out the flare, like uh. in the red and black outfits, and they're handing out the flyers to go see Chicago, the musical. All the shows have like the flyer girls uh, in Times Square. Which, it's the
1: same idea. So did seems, you ever do that?
0: No, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Oh but I've done God. some weird gigs like that where I'm, you know... I I remember, Ellen, I did the the condom company. Oh, God, that was the worst thing ever. What did you have to do? Oh, my God. And I had to hand out – they told me I was going to host this event – no, they handed me a basket full of condoms for Trojan, I should say. <gasps> Trojan, you owe me lots more money than I made. And they were just like, oh, yeah, like, the you know, the tech isn't working. Like, something was not happening. And so I had to literally hand out condoms to people for, like, a weekend. And I was like, oh this is – Oh, my God. I lost oh, That's my awful. Yeah, that's pretty bad. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you do it. I, I imagine you were like, well, I want to be a performer. That's this right. is somewhat performancey. Yeah. Uh right.
1: And you would start out like whenever you knew what the new gig was, like the shoe job or the or the bike job or whatever, and you were like a bright shiny penny that first day. You know, yeah. so you'd go there with high hopes. Maybe this will be the last time I have to do it. Maybe I'll meet somebody interesting there that can help me do something better. Maybe mm-hmm. I get to keep because they always let me keep those discovered. outfits. Yeah, yeah. So I was getting free clothes, you know. That's cool. So I thought, oh, you know, this is not this is better. To me, it was better than waiting tables because I knew I wasn't gonna be good at that. And plus I didn't really want to work nights because I was still living at home. And it's really hard to imagine like living in Queens and having to commute to the city for a job working in a restaurant and coming home at two o'clock in the morning. It didn't seem Mm -hmm. like that was going to happen. So, but then by the third day of this, like, two week stint doing the toy show, you're ready to throw yourself off the, you know, the flat iron building because yeah. you cannot believe you have to do this. Ugh. I did this one game, it was called SWAT, SWAT the Mosquito. And my job for two whole weeks was standing with this plastic toy and swatting this buzzing noise. And the object of the game was to get the buzz to stop making noise. Wow. And they don't let you, like, you can't stop. you Because the boss would come Swat. around and say, you're not swatting. You've got to get back to the swatting.
0: <laughs> oh, no.
1: <laughs> I also, I forgot, I also used to have to spray people with perfume in department stores. Did you ever do that? No. This was part oh, of the, my the agency God. sent you to do this, Joan? Oh, my God. You never had to do that. Oh, okay. So a lot of people <laughs> used to do this in the olden days. You, haven't you been in department store? Yeah, where no, there's, no, no, yeah. Yeah. Well, we there was an agency for that. And they would send you to like Saks Fifth Avenue and they would pay pretty well. And you ha- you weren't allowed to stand still with the perfume. I don't know if you've noticed that. Everybody has to sachet and move. You have to like, you have to move around. You can't just stand there with your bottle. And they would Whoa. see you standing and they'd say, keep moving, keep moving. So you're like moseying around. And the only time it was fun was once I got to do Poison. Did you know that perfume, Poison? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's Christian Dior or something, or Oscar de la Renta. It's like a an famous one. Yeah, and I was like, I'm a comedian. I'm going to make a meal out of this. So I would walk around and I would find like a dude and I'd say, how about some poison for your mom? Or, you know, like I would find like a woman and say, doesn't your sister need some poison? And nobody yeah. found this amusing, even in the least bit. I thought it was hilarious. Like it. <laughs> nobody... People were so mean. Don't be mean to people who spray perfume. People are so mean to perfume sprayers. People used to tell me to drop dead, <gasps> go hang myself. They no. said it's just perfume. People would be so mean. They would just say, get out of my face, you know. Oh, God.
0: I always try to be nice, bad. especially to like people in the street who are like, do you have a minute? Do you like animals? Do you have a minute? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love animals. I don't have a minute,
1: but that's right. That's thank right. you for
0: your work. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, it's really, it's like, it's soul crushing work. Ugh. Standing around at the <laughs> lobby in Bloomingdale's, Spraying. you know, holding a spray, and now I'm allergic to all perfumes. So the idea that I did that all back then, I think now I would just be like lying prone, and like crying in a <sighs> Maybe corner. Maybe that's why. Maybe my body just is completely just,
0: same. It, yeah repelled too repelled of it
1: too much perfume yeah oh God. so that was my my hostessing career in uh doing the trade shows so that
0: was how long did you do
1: this for too long? I did it way too long because <laughs> the pay was so good, but it was seasonal because like okay. February was toy show, I think March was might have been car, April might have been boat like every month had a different show, you mm-hmm. know. And then there was the shoe show, and then some of them were twice a year. So you could make a meal out of it. You could mm-hmm. get like six, seven months' work out of doing these shows, and it was always really well paying. Even that job where the guy wanted to have sex with me in the Virgin Islands <laughs> or St. Thomas or wherever we were—I mean, I—I I didn't have to have sex with them, but I still got a lot of money for that job and a <gasps> suntan. So it was, you know, it it worked out. But, it paid off. Yeah, yeah, it paid off, and I did that all through. I did it like two years after college. And then I decided I need to be more creative. So I ended that part of my career. And I still wasn't getting work as an actress. Okay. Because I wasn't really that talented. I just was pretending I was What really did you want to do? Like, were
0: you wanting well, to do the theater Well, I was a musical. Or film
1: or? I, no, I was a musical person. Like, I auditioned for okay. shows like Chorus Line and those kind of shows. So, I, I mean, I almost got a Chorus Line. I didn't, but I almost got that. Test. So that's what my hope, my dream was, was to – because I knew this wasn't like a face for movies. It was more like – you <laughs> so, know, yada yada yada
0: yada. So was more, I was I don't know where, who was judging beauty. I think you're so hot, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, of course you'd so be in sweet. a chorus line. Why wouldn't you be? You know, yeah.
1: I mean, I was animated. So then my next <laughs> career was singing telegrams.
0: Did you ever do that? <laughs> no, but I love it. I love this so much. Oh God! So I okay, one, I'll tell you That's... afterwards my my bit where I I was hired to do some kind uh, of telegram, but it wasn't singing. But, mm. like birthdays you did. Okay.
1: Like- so this is a hard job and people don't realize this. They think, Oh, this is frivolous fun, but it's not. Whoever gets, whoever does that, like people like me, again, there's a separate agency at the time because they would have ads like in the back of New York magazine. Okay. Because again, this is before anyone said happy birthday to you on Facebook. You had to right. say happy birthday, right? So say it with a song. And what you had to do was you were given the person, like a dossier. So you told the person's name, what okay. the event was, and what music they like. And then it was my job to create the song. So you take a popular song and put words to it that made sense for the... You had to write a song. Oh, you
0: had to create
1: the songs? Yes. Wow. Then you had to... they. You go to their costume shop, and they would tell you a list of characters that they preferred. Like um, I would do... Um, like, uh, Cinderella. I did, um, uh, I think I did, what was it? Oh, I was a Playboy bunny at Bank Liumi. I had to go into a boardroom at Bank Liumi, It's like an Israeli bank. Midtown Manhattan dressed like a Playboy bunny. No. Yes. And there was like 20 men, dudes only back in the eighties, all dudes, dudes. And I had to sing a song to the birthday boy <laughs> dressed like a bunny. With this ridiculous costume and my, oh my tail God. and and my ears on. And the receptionist, you could see she was looking at me like white trash. You were such no. white trash. You know, and I had to go in there and I had to do it. But the worst was when I had to be Miss Piggy, which was the most popular request. Miss Piggy? Miss fucking Piggy. And again, I had to write the music. I had to wear the costume, which was so hot. And then I had to show up. You
0: wore like a head? Like you were like- I had a
1: head, a a big head with snout. I had a ball gown. I had to wear a mink stole. I had like pearls, like Barbara Bush pearls, (laughs) opera gloves- the whole nine yards, the hair, the blonde, everything. I had the the whole thing, a little tiara, and then oh, also I had to record this on a cassette. We used cassette recorders. So I had to record it because <laughs> you give it to the you give it to the you know per the celebrant and a bottle of champagne. So I would be going all around town dressed like this and. The most amazing thing happened, the most horrible thing happened. One of the nights I had to do it, it was a like a 30th wedding anniversary. And okay. it was in this restaurant in Chelsea. I think it was called um, the Chelsea Inn or Chelsea House or super popular restaurant back in the 80s. And it was like the first really popular gay bar in the neighborhood, I think. But mm-hmm. it was also a really good restaurant. They also sold furniture in there like ABC Antiques does. Have you ever okay. been to ABC that restaurant? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. sold furniture in there. Well, they ABC sold- Kitchen. Yeah, same idea. So Carpet they home. started yeah. it. They sold furniture and they would feed people. And I think they probably thought, well, if we can't move the veal piccata, you'll buy an armoire or something. Mm. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. So they had all this stuff going on. So I was sent there. I prepared the song. I don't remember what it was. I had the champagne. I had the cassette ready to go. All to make like $75. I get there. It's so crowded. It's a Friday night. It's packed.
0: And you're in this I,
1: costume. I have a head on with a snap and a fur. <laughs> And Pearl's, not one person in the bar, it's a totally gay bar, not one person in the bar, not one person in the restaurant, including the hostess, even noticed me. I was completely ignored. <laughs> I'm like, a pig is standing in front of you, a famous pig, and you're not even, like, giving me props. <laughs> nothing. There's nothing. Gets worse. I so finally I get the attention of the hostess, who's like this real snooty patoot. You know how a lot of the hostesses are; they're like really like. And she's still not judging me in a way she should be because I'm dressed like a pig. And I give her the name, like the Kaplan's or whatever. And she said, "Oh, they left a half hour ago. It was too noisy." What before cell phones? I don't. Oh, I said, "Well, no. did they leave a forwarding?" Cause one of the people in that couple ordered this singing telegram. Right. I said, "Well, did they leave a forwarding address?" No. I was a pig in a bar. Stood up, walking by around. My job. Oh. I didn't get paid. I'm still a pig, <gasps> and I'm now stuck in this bar. It no. was. It was. A, that was the last time I sang telegrams. I, that was it. I was done. I was. was it. I hung up strong. the mink and the pearls. I said, "That's it. I can't. I can't do it." I oh can't. my
0: god. And also, I can't – it's funny to uh, even imagine it without a cell phone. I'm like, yeah, of course they didn't – what are they going to say? Hey, we're not going oh here. But we're going to go to this restaurant. In case someone shows up, let them know. Like, uh, oh, my can, God. So bad. Did you have to buy
1: these costumes or did you like – No, friends? they had – it was the cool – you would have loved it. It was so good. They had this big closet. Uh, if you're into <laughs> you're like cosplay or – oh, you'd go in there and it would be like – You could hear angels singing in the back because it was so exciting. There was every possible costume, every, they smelled, but there was every costume because, you know, like the people who sang, we didn't wash them. We just hung them back up and then the next pig would come in or the next Wonder Woman or the next, you know, Wonder Woman was very popular back then, Playboy Bunnies, anything that sexualized girls. Like, it was gross. including Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy. And I did a lot of kids' parties. Usually I was Miss Piggy at kids' parties, which was a whole other thing because kids all want to sit on you like so you oh it's It's terrible. This was before
0: you had kids. This was way before I was
1: like a baby. I was in my early twenties. It was terrible. (laughs) And then while I'm doing this, like anybody else who wants to be an actor or a dancer, I was auditioning for all kinds of stuff. So, and I kept thinking every audition, this is the last time I'm ever going to have to sing a telegram or like sashay in a pair of shoes in front of dirty old men, because I'm going to get a show. I'm going to get a show. And, uh, I got super close, which was when I auditioned for a chorus, Line for the role of Morales. I know you know oh, that role, yes, right? Yes, yes. Um, even though I'm a little white Jewish girl, I almost booked it and wow. I was there the entire day. And you know how that process works. They mm-hmm. keep cutting, cutting, cutting. There the entire day was the second replacement cast or something. So, you know, I think um, Priscilla Lopez was just leaving the show or maybe <laughs> somebody. And um, they said, okay, now you have to sing What I Did for Love, which mm-hmm. is the big song in the key of C and they bring the, I, they bring gave me the sheet music and i go up to the piano and what i hadn't mentioned because you don't you know this is that i don't know how. i can't sing i'm Wait. just not a, not a singer can't sing i mean i can like fake it like if i'm belting out a tune but the key of c in that song if you're that's musical hard. it's very hard and they said that's how marvel and hamlish wrote it and that's how you have to sing it wow and I knew at that point I was cooked. Like I was like, you know that when you get the flop sweats, like the smile, you're like, know, oh, <laughs> you're like, you're done. And I walked up to the piano and I'm thinking like, do you think fake it till you make it? <laughs> and I got up there and I, I just started like, kiss today. And you get, and Michael Bennett was alive. He was there. Oh, he was auditioning me. And I said, kiss today. And he said, thank you. And that was it. That was the end of it. I was done. And he said, too, I swear to God. Funny. Two words. Thank you. And what? I swear to God, he said, you know what? You're not right for this because he was so kind. He said, but I'm doing another show that I'm casting and you should come and audition for that. And it was Dreamgirls. And <laughs> I didn't know that that was a completely black cast until I got to the audition what? and I sat oh in the locker room of the basement of the theater with like Shirley Ralph and all the other people who went on to get the jobs and I'm like, what the hell? Obviously, I didn't get it. And so that was it. That was the end. Why did he tell you to
0: come to
1: it? (laughs) He was, it's like, you know what it's like? It's like you go out with a guy once and you know you don't like them. Right. And you say, call me. It was the equivalent of a Yeah, we should have
0: lunch. We should hang out. Let's try to do this
1: again. It was the equivalent of let's try to do this again. It was, no, it was, he should have just said, it was lovely meeting you. Go take voice lessons. Oh, my God. And that was it. That was my last acting audition. That was it for I, anything, was, for anything. I then I decided I need to get a job job. So that was wow. the end of my acting career. And then that's when I went and got my first job, real job.
0: I commend you for because a lot of people stick where they think, oh, well, uh, maybe he'll direct another musical and I'll I'll be first in line for that audition. Like you were just like, now, I was it.
1: always pretty. I think I was very self-actualized, even as I knew I was kind of mediocre. Like you have to know your value. Like I know I'm a people person and I'm a good salesperson. Okay. And like I'm not, I'm smart, mm-hmm. but I'm not that. I wasn't. I'm not that talented. Like to do that,
0: you have to be really. Ta- you really do. Do you know how many? I came here to do musical theater. Did you know yeah. that? I moved here. But and you're the a musical. good singer. Well, I sing, but I can't dance, and that was where I failed for these Broadway callback. Like same thing. They called me in and they were like, great. We heard you sing. We saw you act. And now do the dance combination. And I would panic. I can do it if I really like take the time and someone really, uh, you don't have time to learn those combinations. Did you 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 audition for any big shows? Oh, yeah. I did a, a couple of them. I, I remember I, I got a big callback, which I was so excited for, for the revival of Hair on Broadway. And I got a big callback. And I was like, oh, my God, I got a callback. And I was freaking out. And then I told my friend, I was like, I'm going in. And she was like, how How did my agent not send me in for this? And she had already done, like, tours of shows. I had I had done regional theater. And she booked it. <laughs> she ended <gasps> up getting I, and I was like, I told her, I love that Now, what's girlfriend. the lesson in that? What's the, the lesson say? in that? You never tell
1: your friends. That's, <laughs> That's the lesson not. in that.
0: <laughs> I hate that when people are like secretive about like auditions yeah. they have and everything. Like, I don't know. I'm not like that. I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm going in for this. Can you believe it? It's so weird. Yeah. But um, no, she ended up booking it and then doing the show on Broadway and London, all these places. And Amazing. I love her to death. And she still does theater. And I Amazing. went into comedy. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I stopped auditioning for theater. I had a really bad experience. These agents, these agents, this manager who like wanted to rep me, who Mm -hmm. wasn't even, red flag number one was they weren't even in New York City. They were like Uh, not mm -hmm. in the city. They were somewhere outside of the city. I forget the town. Somewhere in Westchester. I don't know. And my friend was like, you got to meet them. They're repping me now. And they got me a couple Mm -hmm. of good auditions. But then they were like, they got me an audition for Chicago on Broadway. And that was like Oh, that's great. It, it, well, it was embarrassing because uh, it was a dance call, uh, and these beautiful dancers were on Broadway, yeah that's a dance show, you know, and they were they all were like older too, and they had been in a billion shows, and they were you know yeah. i I was like completely they didn't even have to like sing to be in Chicago, you know what I mean, they do, right, but not. Right. And I get there and I was like, they literally were like, are you in the right place? Like I was, I didn't have the clothing. I didn't have the shoes. I was oh, super. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to do comedy. (laughs) I was like, I
1: can't. Uh, I don't blame you. Yeah. It's it's soul sucking. You know, I got to the point where I just didn't think that my psyche could take any more rejection. Like, because if I really believed enough in myself and my skill set at that time Mm -hmm. to do the things that I wanted to do then yeah, maybe I would have persevered. But I knew that I would probably do better doing something else. Like I knew Mm -hmm. I had to find what that was. And I was really happy that I made that choice because my next job and slash became my career was being a talent agent. And that's really what I should have been doing. It's like I got to still be with actors. Mm -hmm. I got to still appreciate acting and going to shows every night. Mm -hmm. Only now I could be the bossy bitch and, you know, and be the one to say yes or no, and not wait for the phone to ring, and to worry about like, you know, back in those days, we had answering machines, and we Mm -hmm. had actual telephones with call waiting. So you didn't have texts or, you know, you, you had to talk to people and find out that they didn't like you. It was horrible. So I like being on the other side of it. It was bet great shift.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you went, how did you do that? Were you just like, well, what
1: happened was I was taking a lot of dance classes because I was a dancer. And one of my buddies in um, in the dance world, you're going to laugh when I tell you who it was, but do you remember, do you know who Peter Weller
0: is? He
1: was Peter RoboCop. Weller. Did you ever oh, see the movie RoboCop? I know who
0: that is. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs>
1: RoboCop was in my dance class and he was really starting to do really well. He was very like young and successful and very hot. He was like super hot. And one day in class, he said, Sandy, I want you to meet my agent. And I thought... He thought that I was like sexy or something and he thought that I had talent, but he said that I think you have people skills and I want you to meet my agent because I think you'd make a really good agent. And I thought, well, if RoboCop's telling me to go, you know, maybe it's a good plan. So wow. I met his agent and he had this really big agency at the time. Um, J. Michael Bloom was like a really big agency. And I went and I met a lot of people there and I got hired and there was, the job wasn't easy, believe you me. You got but hired it, just
0: to be an agent to be an assistant at an, an okay. agency. So you I know was an now assistant. it's like, you know, if anyone was It was, was like that agent, then. It was really, like that Like then. I'm like, yeah. they put you in the mailroom and for months yeah. and you're like. Well, my
1: daughter was, my daughter's in the same business and she was in the mailroom at ICM for a year. So yeah. A year, it's, yeah. It's, I had it's a lot of friends
0: who graduated college and then they're like, yeah, I work in the mailroom now. You know, yeah. and I was it's like. It's a big Damn. deal.
1: It's hard to get a mailroom job. It's a big deal. So, and but I was an assistant and I worked for this woman. I mean, the job wasn't all like peaches and cream because my boss used to send me out to buy her drugs every day. Okay. (laughs) Because that's the way it was back then. It was like a coke fueled environment. So she would tell me, go to the ATM, here's my code, take out 80 bucks. Then go meet, like, Manuel up on 94th in Amsterdam. Oh, my God. You know, or whomever. David. I don't know who it was. I'd have to go up to 94th. And I couldn't say no. She was my boss. I said yes to everything. It was like, how high can you jump? And I would go get her drugs. And then I would bring (laughs) them back. Then she opened her drawer, and she would do lines in the drawer so if the boss came in she would close the drawer Whoa. and I, she would say Hardcore. sweetie sweetie, hold the door hold the stand in front of the door that is my I was like guarding the door while she was doing drugs in the office so it was crazy wow yeah you go home it's crazy. like what would you do
0: today I uh, bought drugs and watched someone
1: I scored life. some coke I scored coke for my boss and I held the door for it yeah and then I would go into the men's room because it was closer to my office and cry because someone would be yelling at me, like an actor or my boss, because it was Um, hard, but I did it. I persevered. I stayed as an assistant for a really long time until I finally got promoted. And then I left that agency with three other work associates and we opened up our own agency and we took every client out of that agency, a thousand (laughs) actors in the middle of the night. Oh my God. Yeah, It was like a big story. We just, we set ourselves up. We went and got a space. We hired, had a staff. We
0: had computers. We did the whole thing. And you did this all behind the scenes while you were working for this other agency.
1: Yes. And then, like, Whoa. in the 19th hour, it was New Year's Eve. That's been the last day I worked at this agency on New Year's Eve. We all left our office keys in our desk drawers, and um, we didn't tell anyone on the staff because then you could get sued for, like, stealing employees. So... The four of us just left, like, in the middle of the night, practically. And we opened up the next day, two blocks away, in our own office. We made – it was like, do you ever see Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Like that. We, like, hit the phones. <laughs> and we got everyone to come over and come with our agency. And they all stayed. They all – because no. our boss was, like, absentee. He was never really there. You know, he deserved – he got what he deserved. And he was and making
0: we, the most money, I assume. You oh. all had –
1: He was making a fortune and we were all, you know, I'm busy, you know, scoring drugs for my boss. It was, (laughs) it was was time. So it was the best decision I ever made and it took a long time to get there. But then we had a really good business with 60 employees and we ran it for a really long time. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It was really good. I mean, everything gets hard after a while and you want to kill yourself doing any job. Believe me, you know, no matter how good your job is, there's always Mm going to come the day when you're like... I can't do this one more day, but for the time I did it, I really loved it. It was great. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So that did was you, like my main career. I was going to say, so you did commercials, you said, in voiceovers?
1: I did commercials and voiceovers. We represented people like James Earl Jones on Verizon and Jason Alexander for potato chips and Susan St. James, all these really cool people. They were all our clients. Uh, Nathan Lane, Faith Prince. All our clients, yeah. Big names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lot of, it the was New like York a big elite. agency. It was all the New York elite. It was a really good agency. I was very proud to be a partner at this agency. It was really cool. And um, yeah, I did that for a really long time. It was really fun. And uh, I'm, I mean, I'm glad I don't do it anymore because it's hard. But yeah, I mean, but you know, the crazy things that would happen there, it's like you can't even imagine. But it was, it was great. It was fun. Like Wesley Snipes. We wrapped him before he became famous, and he used to work for uh, New York Telephone. And when going uh-huh. before it became Verizon. He was a repairman. He would be uh-huh. a phone repairman, and he would come to our office because he went to massage therapy school, uh-huh. and he would give us back rubs in our offices. Uh-huh. Wesley Snipes was <laughs> Wesley rubbing <Snide>. our. <laughs> That's yes! amazing. And then he <laughs> would send a big star. <laughs> yes! And then when it became a big star, he would send us all these women that he would meet in restaurants. Like every hostess at every restaurant would show up in our office. Wesley Snipe sent me.
0: Oh was- that's anyway. nice he referred
1: people. Always, always. And there were always beautiful women. Always. That's but funny. yeah, I'm so curious was, though, as an
0: agent, how did you how do you want to get clients? Because I feel like I, I interview a lot of actors and stuff, and people who are in all different stages of their rep life? like uh, Well, first, I mean, back in those days, we really did read resumes.
1: We really okay. did want to see what people had done. Um, and we used to like to see them coming out of reputable schools, um, you know, like Yale drama, whatever. We love that. Mm-hmm. Carnegie Mellon, NYU. And then we would go to showcases every single night. So every we night. really did go every night to see some. And I covered comedy, which is kind of funny now that I think about it. <laughs> so I would go like, three nights a week to all the comedy clubs. Back then it was catch improv um, and maybe one or two others, but there weren't a lot of good ones. And I would go and we would like, I would like Maxwell house coffee once was doing a whole campaign. They wanted to stand up and I'll never forget. um, I think it was at the improv. They set up a lineup for me like to go see Mm -hmm. and Adam Sandler was in that lineup. Whoa. And I made a note. I'll never forget. I made a note on my like, Legal notepad, not funny. <laughs> that was the note. He did not get the audition. But so I would get to go out. I got, and I really, you know, because I used to date comedians, I'd go see comedy. I always loved it so much. I was yeah. always way too nervous to do it myself, but I loved going and hanging out at the bar. The I'm shocked way. you were
0: nervous to do it. I guess you yeah, were turned off by the acting and the trade show, you know, and you were just yeah, like, I was you just know, really, had I had more power like, on the other side. I think so. And I
1: didn't really have like find my voice yet. Like I was much better at judging and evaluating other people than <laughs> figuring her out. Like how I could find my voice. Like I used to judge beauty pageants. I used to judge miss New York, miss New Jersey, miss Teen New York. And I love that. Cause I like, like judging people. It's terrible. It's not a good thing, but <laughs> I liked it because maybe it felt like it took the pressure off of anyone who was judging me or it was like payback for all these years where I felt ignored. I don't mm-hmm. know what it was. I mean, I... I could work it out in therapy, but I loved it. I loved like, and I loved the girls. They were so adorable. I loved all of it. I like mothering them and telling Aww. them to take out the colored contacts and just be themselves. You be you. <laughs> I would be like, you know, I have just giving them all like life lessons. Yes. Yeah. I oh, I didn't tell you this. I was a professional cheerleader. Did you, you know were? that? No. Yes. New York Cosmos, the soccer team. You were a soccer cheerleader? In Giant Stadium, which Holy is me. shit. shit. Meadowlands or whatever. Well, you said yeah. you were a dancer, but- Yes, Pele hired me. I was hired by Pele. Oh my God. Yes, I had pom-poms and <laughs> I had a jacket with my name on it. Yeah, I still have the jacket. I wear it for Halloween sometimes. That's so that's fun. So pathetic. Yeah, my father would come to every game to watch- Aww. Yeah. That's nice. Like sixty thousand fans in the stands and then the cheerleaders. And we had a rehearse in the like in New Jersey twice a week. Fifteen dollars a game. what? That's what they pay cheerleaders. Holy shit. In front of, of sixty thousand people and you're out there performing. fifteen dollars a game, you know, with the thing and wow. Yeah. So anyway, but that's all I love that under the bridge. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I had a lot of jobs. You've had a, a lot of jobs. Wait, you told Got me to. another job when you when we were chatting before you came on the pod that you were someone's butt double. What? Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. And I was I like, was, I have to know
1: about that. Okay, so this is – okay, this is definitely the penultimate story. So when I was still acting and still doing my thing, I um, – Used, MTV just started, okay? okay? I mean, MTV wasn't a thing before, you know. I was in the Dark Ages. So MTV <laughs> became a thing. And there was like only four or five performers starting. And it was the original VJs, you know. It was that really cute Jewish guy, Mark Goodman. And okay. there was a couple of cute girls. So that was it. That was MTV. And I got a call from like a friend's friend saying, there's an emergency casting thing. We desperately need... Um, somebody, a dancer for a Pat Benatar video. I didn't know. I barely knew who Pat Benatar was really. She had just become something. And I said, Oh my God, this is so exciting. They said, you have to show up at the director's apartment tomorrow morning. This is super important. You get there tomorrow morning. They have to shoot this next week. I was like, okay, director's apartment. Okay, fine. I said, well, what's the thing? I said, like, what's the, they said, okay, this is super important. Pat Benatar needs an ass double. And I said, an ass double, I'm all in. I am going to be Pat Benatar's ass double. I'm not sure I know who she is. I don't know if I have the qualifications. But this sounds like the dreamiest job ever. Like, how hard could it be to be an ass double? So the next day, I get the address. It's in the East Village. Now, East Village in 1982 or 83 or 81 or whatever, it was early 80s, was not like East Village now. Mm -hmm. I mean, East Village back then, it's like this week in Afghanistan, okay? Can you imagine? It was like at 6 o'clock, all the metal gates come down. There's tent city. People are living in the streets. You can't walk without like a fork as a weapon or something. Mm. Like it's really, really bad. Mm -hmm. But I don't care. I'm blinded by the light. I'm going to be Pat Benatar's ass double. So I go. It's a walk-up. It's like a fourth-floor walk-up. And it had like all those Chinese menus, like – Like, do you ever go to those buildings with like the buzzers and you can't find the apartment because it's just menus? Yeah. It was like one of those buildings. You're like peeling away the menus. I walk up as I'm walking up those stairs. I'm thinking, this is so stupid. I'm going to get killed. This is probably not even a real audition. This is probably like that scene in Fame where Irene has to take down her bra strap or something. Like, (laughs) I don't know what's going to happen. So I go, and I open up – the guy opens up his door. He's the director of this video. And MTV back then had no budget. So when they shot videos, they were shooting them for, like, $200 or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. He opens up the dirtiest little apartment with a tripod and a camera, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be killed. This is going to be a snuff film or something. And he's so young. The director's like – 18 or 19 years old. He looks like he's probably an NYU film student or something, but then he's like all business. And I could see, Oh no, he seems to be taking this seriously. And he starts playing me the song, which is hit me with your best shot.
0: Yeah.
1: It's for that video. And he goes, okay, this is a song. He says, but before I have you do what I need you to do, I need to measure your ass. So I said, you're (laughs) going to measure my ass. He says, I'm going to measure this. And I'm thinking, okay, just, (laughs) Go to a different, like, go to a, your faraway place. Go to your happy place. Like, you know, like when you go to the gynecologist and when she says this is going to be really cold or something yeah, yeah. and you go to that other place, Yeah. okay, it was that moment where I was like, okay, and he takes out a tape measure and I'm like, okay, just don't think about it. And he measures my ass and he says, perfect. It's the right size. And I'm like, okay, thank God <laughs> I've got it. the right size ass. I don't know if it's a good thing, but it's the right size ass. He says, okay, now he says, I'm going to play the song. Hit me with your best shot. And what I need you to do is walk away. Walk away. I need to see your ass move because that's the whole job. Is like she's coming forward and I'm going to be going back because they couldn't afford to shoot long enough to have her do it both ways. Okay. So that's why they needed a different ass. But the apartment is so small that me walking, it's like I'm like a Roomba that gets stuck in the corner. Can you imagine? It's
0: like <laughs> yeah, that's how work.
1: small the space is. So I walk like – she's a real huff and then it's like i'm done i'm like at the wall i'm like you know like when i'm like rubbing up against the wall it was so horrifying i got the job okay so it says you're hired and i'm beside myself i'm so excited because yeah. i wanted to be in an MTV video but i like i really did picture being like in a white snake video like lying on top of a old car or something not like just my ass that's all the only thing that was going to show so they, you know, told me the date and the call time them. and the whole thing. And it was all set up. It was like for four days later, they said they'd have a wardrobe. My hair was actually the same exact cut as her, just by coincidence. It was like a very short haircut. And then the next day, I don't even remember who it is, but I think it was an aunt. My mother's like sister-in-law died suddenly. She was like suddenly, she was like 80, she suddenly uh-huh. dies. And my mother says, you have to go to the funeral. And the funeral was the exact same time. <gasps> as the shoot and they were paying me 50 bucks. And my mom knew that and she said, you were not doing that. You have to go to the, f-. and I called the director. I said, can you please push back the time? Is there a way? He said, no, either you come or you don't. I'll find another ass basically. Oh And no. so I lost the job cause you wouldn't change it. And I, I'm a Jew. I couldn't not go to this funeral. My, my mother would guilt me for the rest of my life. I go to the funeral, I spend the whole funeral like sitting by myself, like the girl in the ring, like with the hair in front of her face, <laughs> crying, and everyone thought I was so upset that Aunt Margie died. <laughs> I could care less, she was not well, she was never well. I was you... so upset that I lost my opportunity to be in one of the first most important videos ever on MTV which oh is my true God. because if you ever look at like the top ten videos ever on MTV that's always on the list is it? Always. It's like the most famous early video. Oh my God. And, she, and I can't believe you had, had this whole use, intimate
0: audition where they're like, let me measure with, your ass. Yes. And, no, yes, walk, so that little let's see it move. Peach <laughs> of that ass. Yes.
1: What? And I think that she used her own ass. I don't think they used anybody else's. I think they felt burned by my ass after that. And that was the end of it. But back then it was Chrysalis records. I remember the label. They had no money to shoot videos. Like if you look oh at God. like archives of early MTV videos, They're all shot like in somebody's – your videos are a 100 times more professional. Like when you and Jared do those really hilarious videos. Thank you. 100 (laughs) times more polished than the earliest videos on MTV. I'm going to have to watch this
0: Hit Me With Your Best Shot now. Yes, you have to see it. It's like, oh. Anyway, I'm and every pretend time it's, it's your butt. I'm gonna pretend it's yes, your butt. Yes, you should. Yeah. And you
1: know, it's like mall music, elevator music. So there are very many times where I'm like at you know, like Stop and Shop, like looking for the vanilla yogurt, and I hear "Hizuri Sakugiman." Oh, it comes side. on. It haunts you the and rest like, of your life. You showed your mom that video. You were like, that could have been my butt, huh? That's right. You see, mom, this is what you took from me. You uh, took everything from me. Oh, so, no. yeah. But these were all signs. I wasn't meant to do any of it. You know what? I Like now that I'm on the other side of things and I'm so much older, I mean, I'm 65. So I've been around. And as a 65-year-old, I can see like my trajectory. Everything happened at the right time. I never like to say anything like it's for it's nothing's for a reason, but it all happened when it was supposed to happen. I went to the right school. I did the right job. All of it meant something at the time. It's like yeah. you can't look back at, like, what could I have done? I wasn't ready to do stand-up or tell stories mm-hmm. or do anything 30 years ago. I didn't have the confidence. I just, we always you know, say
0: things like yeah. no matter what you do, it might not be the right job for you. We always talk about how it will lead to something that you are meant to do. It will give you the the That's you know, the path to get right. somewhere else. Like, yeah. You know that's why it's like yeah you do the random job you don't know who you're gonna meet you don't know who's gonna go places who's gonna want to hire you for something else like you were saying you know oh I met the right person and they introduced me
1: but the most important thing is you have to be open to the possibility that things are not gonna look the way you thought they were and when like the next thing happens you have Mm -hmm. to be open to that you have to be ready to receive whatever it is out there even though it doesn't look like something you thought you know because that. Like, you never – know. like, for instance, getting the film that's about me, it's a movie about me, was solely because one of my really good friends in the storytelling business, this girl who I adore, Dawn Frazier, she's a master storyteller. Mm -hmm. She said, would you do me a favor? I have a bunch of students at the yard. She was teaching a class at the yard a couple years ago. And she said, I'd love for you to come in and just tell a story so they could see, like, a polished story Mm -hmm. for someone who's already been doing it. And I – Didn't hesitate, right? I always live in the world of yes. I said, absolutely, yes. And one of the students was the director who's already been a director. He's directed other things, but he wanted to take a storytelling class to get a better feel for it. Mm -hmm. And he came up to me after the class. He said, I'd love to stay in touch. I know this sounds crazy, but I want to, I'm thinking about, I would love to do a film about you. And I said, you don't know me. He said, I know, but I want to know you. (laughs) And we started corresponding and within weeks he had sketched out what he wanted to do. And years later, it was in con. I mean, it's crazy. Like he did this thing and he made it happen. And if I hadn't said yes to Dawn to just do, and I work for free all the time for all these people, like (laughs) on those kind of things, because it's good for me to practice, to learn something about myself, to meet new people, to perform. You know, you know how it is now during the pandemic, we're all inside a lot. So opportunities might come up and you might do things you might not have done two years ago, Mm -hmm. just for keeping your chops up, just to you know, meet people or whatever. And that's why I always tell people, just live in the world of yes. Just, you know, if you're hesitating, but you can't really come up with a good reason not to do something, just do it. Do the thing. You know, it works out. Everything always works out.
0: It's so good. It's so inspiring. I love that. I had one more question for you because I wanted to know when did you when did you make that move where you were like, I don't want to be an agent anymore. I actually I feel I feel comfortable becoming a performer because you're so good. I I only knew you. uh, Well, there was another career in the middle. What happened was I got
1: sick. Um, My last year as an agent, I, I was raising my three kids, living in the suburbs. I was also going through a divorce at the time. So there was a lot going on. Yeah. A lot of stress. And I got sick and I got lupus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's an autoimmune thing and it's manageable. I manage it, but Mm -hmm. I got really sick and I knew I could no longer work full time and grind it and then go out every night. There was just no way I was going to do it. And I decided, like I took stock and I thought, you know what, this is a good time to take a very graceful exit, like Seinfeld leaving the right season, because Mm -hmm. I felt like i have done it enough. I've done it 20 years. I feel like I've gotten everything out of it um and i'd rather be home with my three young kids they were all really young at the time mm. and I was pretty sick, so I thought this is great. And I did that, and I was lucky enough to be able to do that. So I took off the time and then I got bored after a couple of years because I wasn't <laughs> used to not doing because I've been working since I'm a kid, mm-hmm. and I became what's called the Bag Lady of Scarsdale, which is the suburb I was raising my family in in Scarsdale. <laughs> and what I did was what's now super popular at like Real Real, I was selling like slightly used Chanel bags and Hermès Birkin bags. <laughs> I would basically I was like the Jewish Robin Hood of Scarzo. I would take a bag from a very rich woman who wanted to uh-huh. sell it. Right. I would take it and then I would sell it to an upper middle class woman who couldn't afford it normally. Oh so my I God. kept moving. So all the women in the neighborhood were carrying each other's bags you were that the I was real, me real selling. Before- <laughs> I was the real real real. <laughs> I was the original real, real. I was doing that years ago and I did really well doing it. And it got too big because there were women in my house like day and night. Like people <sighs> were yelling me on the street. Hey, bad lady, have any Balenciaga? I mean, it was too much. I was only oh doing gosh. it for fun. I wasn't trying to do it like as a career. Right. You didn't want to so, start a business. And I already knew then that I was ready to be creative again and start writing. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided, okay, I really want to write and perform. And I took a workshop with, do you know Sarah Barron? She's a brilliant comedian. Yeah. She lives in London. She lives in London now. She's she had brilliant. She a book out,
0: right? Yes. I she has read. like
1: two or three books. Yeah, At least two books. She's brilliant. So I took a Gotham, I think it was a Gotham, a comedy writing class with her. Just brilliant.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: somehow I then got to David Crabb, who is like, you know, my son. love, I love him. love David. And then I started working out material and working. And then I finally got the courage to do something. And then that was like seven years ago. And then I never stopped. I just started doing it. And I, you know, I can't believe I'm still doing it, because usually I don't do things this many years. But I love it, and it's fun. And And you're um, good at it. I didn't know it was only seven
0: years ago. I assumed you were, like, master storyteller. Like, you were, like, one of the names when I started doing comedy. or When I started doing more stand-up, I did stand-up and storytelling, I'd say, like, at the same time. But I I knew your name in the storytelling world as, like, oh, and she's on all the shows, and she wins all the moth contests, and, like... Yeah. Well, I'm lucky enough that... I think it's partially it's a diversity
1: thing, and I'm not being self-deprecating here because I know I'm good at it, but there is a bit of a diversity thing where a lot of shows like to have one older person, much older person, um, because it's interesting. Like you know, mm-hmm. it's nice to have a show with five white dudes, but maybe <laughs> you should have two women, okay? Well, it's nice to have four people under 30, but it's nice to have interesting. A, 60-year-old because my perspective, my point of view, and I'm still funny, is totally different. And right. there are a lot of very funny people that are over 50 and 60 years old. So I think it was an opportunity at the right time where mm-hmm. maybe it was subconscious. People might not have realized that that's what they were, they were doing. But right. like, And there were times when I didn't get booked on something and I saw who they hired and I thought, oh, that's the other Older, funny woman, Weird. like yeah, 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 which is fine. I I embrace it. I like mm-hmm. it. Um, and being that I was an agent, I understand how it works. It's mm-hmm. totally cool. Um, and I think I've just I'm very easy to work with because I always showed up on time. I always did the work. Never complained. You know, and that comes with age. A lot of young people maybe aren't always as professional, or they make a demand or. You know, and I know this from running my own show, as you know, like sometimes there's that person where you're like, I'm never going to hire this person again. Yeah. Why did I hire that person? You know, they show up a half hour late. The material's not, you could tell they didn't really give it any thought, Mm -hmm. you know, and you think last time I hired that person. So I'm easy, you know, and, and I think when you're joyful about something and you love it, people like that and they want to be around that energy. Um, But I think I'm actually starting my eighth year this fall. It'll be almost eight years, but yeah, it's not that long.
0: Ugh, yeah. So great. Well, I hope you do your show again wh- now that, you know, yeah, hopefully we we'll get back to it. You have to I've do like my show. You would, love, the-
1: you would be so good on my show. Oh my god. I would god. love it's, to do it. We do it it's um it's like um no apologies. People tell true stories that are really awful. Like mm. the time somebody shoplifted, told a major lie, cheated, stole things mm-hmm. that Like, you don't necessarily want to share. It's kind of like Risk, the podcast Risk. Yeah, I Um, did Risk before. Only this makes Risk look like, you know, Mr. Rogers. Like, the (laughs) things that people would do... Like somebody faked, on our show, we had one person who told a story about faking her own death. I like really amazing stories. Whoa. So, so you have to do it. You'll have to come up with something.
0: Oh my God. I did, you know, I'm like, what would I tell? And I'm trying to think one summer at camp, I went to camp and told, I lied and told everyone I learned sign language. And because of the, because of the TLC video, Unpretty in the music video, they sign it. And I was like, yeah, I like learned it. And I would so I would like people would be like Anna what's the word for this and I'd make it up the whole summer long. I was like Hilaria Baldwin back then. I was literally pretending oh my I knew god! Until- <gasps>
1: that's a that's a really good story. You're going to tell that story on our show. It. You're going to tell that story on my show. Like, oh my god. I don't even think
0: we ever came out with it that we didn't. Oh. Oh, I was terrible at camp. Oh my I have, God. Well, uh, did
1: you hear that story this year? It was all over the internet about that woman during some <laughs> big, uh, like, um, I don't know if the president or, or the governor, somebody was giving a speech and they had someone doing sign language and she made the whole thing up. Oh, no. It happened this year. She was going like this, like, and people were were like, what the hell is she doing? Oh, it's all man. over. If you YouTube, woman who doesn't know sign language, you're going to die. You're going to oh, laugh. Man. You're going to, like, she's like, doing. I don't know what she's doing, but she's not doing it at all. Oh, I'll it's, have to watch
0: it. I remember yeah. the woman they had for doing the WAP sign language outside of Cardi B's concert. Yes, that was I was like, to have to sign that is just amazing. Like, <laughs> wet-ass <laughs> pussy over and over and over again. I love
1: that. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Wouldn't you love to have been that sign language person who had to do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I wonder I, what they did for pussy. I know. Did they just say, like, I don't know what they... <laughs>
0: I don't know cat. Yeah, cat.
1: <laughs> anyway, well, you're it. gonna
0: do that. On, you're gonna do that on my show. I would love to. Well, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. You're amazing. Thank you you've for had you've me. had so many funny jobs. Um, I can't. I can't even pick my favorite. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm sorry I talked so much. You can. I, I'm sorry you oh, no. have to edit all this shit
1: out. Cause she I won't was edit. We won't
0: edit. No. rambling like crazy. No, we loved it. All we right. loved it. Okay. Where can my listeners? Where can everybody find you? And you know and your
1: stuff? Well, I'm all over YouTube, Sandy Marks. Um, okay. I have my own channel, but I don't update it because, as I told you earlier, I'm very lazy. Okay. But it's on there. And um, I'm uh, Sandy Marks at Sandy Marks3 on Instagram. Uh, but I don't do like Insta stories because, as I've said, my aforementioned laziness prevents me from learning how to do that. Um, and I'm on Facebook, Sandy Marks, and I update, you know, what shows I'm going to be on or whatever I'm doing. And I try to promote when I'm not, you know, lying prone at shop and stop um, <laughs> looking for the fresh yogurts. Um, and yeah, and that's it. So I'm around and I can be found pretty much. I have a website, but I haven't updated it since the pandemic. So no point looking at that. There are no, no d- new dates on there. There's hardly any live activity.
0: I don't have any so, dates on my, on my no dates. website. Yeah. No, I yeah.
1: gave up on doing that a while ago. <laughs> yeah. I just like, meh, let it go. I think I still pay the yearly fees to the web thing, but... It's not going to happen. I'm sorry. It's good to have, you it's know, fine. people, people yeah. can look you up. <laughs> yes. They want me. They can find me. Awesome. I'm, I'm available to anyone who wants to find me.
0: We love it. We love her. Good. Great. I love you. you. And thank you. Oh, thank you. I love you too. Oh, what a great episode. I could listen to Sandy tell stories all day. She literally has, she has a million. The most. And, mm-hmm. and they're fun. And, and they're, they're all like, great. <laughs> she, They're all, like, random and different, and, like, I love how I'm like, you told me you were a butt model or something, and she was like, oh, hold on for a second. I'm like, that was gold. That butt (laughs) story was gold. Um, Ellen, it reminded me, have I ever told you about when I was almost a a naked body double? No, I haven't heard about this, actually. Tell me. What? Ellen. Ellen. It reminded me, and, you know, I didn't want to cut Sandy off because she had so many good stories, but I literally... When I moved to L.A., I was very young and uh, and now I'm ancient, but I was very young and I was doing like I signed up with like the the extras casting or whatever, like like central casting. I think yeah. it's called. I think it's still called that. Mm-hmm. And I think I might have done one or two shows, but I was like. Oh, if I do this like you're on set all day, I can't go to my job that I'm scheduled to do at night. It, you know, the hours thing it was really just and I had a new puppy. It was all like mm-hmm. hard to to manage cuz you literally show up and it's like they could use you for 5 hours and they could use you for yeah. 20 you hours have to and pay around. you time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just kind of have to do it. So I didn't do it much, but they had all of my measurements and stuff, you know, you have to fill out like a whole like form or whatever. And I randomly got like a, a notification or a message or I don't know an email I don't even remember how they contact you, saying you have the exact measurements for uh, this. It wasn't even a stand-in; it was a body double uh, for an actress for a film that we're looking for. Do you mind like like sending in more photos so the director can see if you have the right look for it? Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was from Mila Kunis. <laughs> oh, and apparently. We are the same size That's amazing. apparently. It was amazing. But here's – so they tell me this for a body double, and I think, oh, my God. Like, for a movie, like, that means I'll be on for, like, whatever scenes they need her body, but not – I didn't put it together that it was her naked body, like – for sex scenes I didn't I was too young to think like (laughs) what did you know maybe she's taking a bath or she's in the shower or something uh, you know I didn't even think about I was like well I was like yes I am in oh my god body double and also so flattering because she's like really awesome yeah yeah and I was I was like well of course I'd want to do this job and then they sent me like like I think I, they sent me the scenes that it was for, like you know, and they were like, "Is this something you're still interested in?" And they were all like sex scenes. Do you know what movie it and was? I do know what movie it is, but wait, hold on, okay. I have to. Hold, what movie was it hold is on, it? Is it the one with um I- where where it's like her and like uh, her her friend are like just hooking up? And like not trying to fall in yes. love or something. Friends with benefits yes. is, is it, that the name of it. I think it's something like yes. that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm aging myself. Friends with benefits, something like that. There's like a million yes. movies and that have the same plot, but yeah. A rom com, yeah, like where it's like we're not going to fall in love. We're <laughs> definitely just gonna have not. Sex, but yeah, no, I There's would no never. You're such an attractive person. Why would I ever want to? That's wanna not going to be, gonna be the end of this movie. <laughs> Right. We're just friends who fuck. Um, Yeah. yeah. So I I don't even remember how the movie ends. So they send me the scenes and I remember thinking like, and also how much pay it was like per day, you know? And I remember thinking like, like, you know, I, I, I am very comfortable with my body. I don't mind, you know, obviously, you know, I show my ass on Instagram all the time, but I, I, I was like, who, but like I've always said, I'll I'll do nudity. Like, I am cool enough, I you know, with it. I, I don't mind. But this was nudity just for the crew, you know? Like, no one would, I'm not acting. No one's going to know it's my naked body except for me. And, you know, that's it. I'm not telling my parents. Like, I was like, no fucking way. And I don't think it was so much nudity. I think it was just boobs maybe are shown. I don't even know if boobs are shown or her butt. Like, it was, mm-hmm. you know, it's. But um, I, I sent in the photos, and I was very iffy about it. I was like, I don't know. I always thought you know my first nudity project would be like me fully stripped down because I'm on HBO and this is like my moment, you know mm-hmm. this is like my scene uh, and your not face like would camera. Be in there. Right, this is, they're going to be like, can you lift your neck a little higher so we just see the chest and, you know, (laughs) below, Uh, you know, me trying to sneak in my face like, hey, bitch, it's me, it's (laughs) it's not Mila. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, anyway, I sent in the photos, but I remember feeling, like, weird about it, and they told me it was, like, between me and someone else, and the director went with someone else, like, they wrote, and I was like, that's probably for the best, like, I remember being, like, the money would have been nice, so close, I know. I was almost a naked body double. That's, if that's amazing. What it. it was like I had. So this whole, I mean, I was like walking around town, like, oh, wow i i have I have the body they want, but like, yeah. not the face or the acting chops. <laughs> like, they don't even know I'm an actor. Maybe people uh, like see you from behind and they're like, "Is that Mila?" Yeah. Wow. I'm like, oh, um, sorry, no. <laughs> it's it's me. just her butt. <laughs> oh that's really cool thanks well it didn't happen but you know what sandy's didn't happen either but it is a memory that we have forever so you know yeah i got it love it um all right. Well, guys, it was a great episode. I hope you enjoyed it. We are cooking our way. We, Ellen, we are creeping our way. Cooking? Creepin', creeping our way creepin'. up to 100 episodes. And you know I am going to make a huge deal out of the 100th episode. We're going to do a big live show. You're all going to freaking come. You're all going to tell me stories yeah. live. We're going to figure out. Uh, I have to produce a big event. I'm, I'm already planning it in my head, even though we have 30 more episodes to get, <laughs> to, mm, ish, to get there. More like 20. But we'll get there. Yeah. Okay. We'll get there. It's motivation to get those 20 in. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, I really want to get to 100. Yeah. I want to be 100 years old. Um, But in the meantime, go listen to the rest of the episode. Someone on Twitter said they listened to 20 episodes on a road trip the other day, and they said thanks for the laughs. And I honestly, I love you. If you listen to this episode, uh, thank you so much. That's very sweet of you. And if you guys have any stories that you want to write in about, if you want to tell them live and be a caller, or if you want to uh, have us, you know, read your story and discuss it on the air, like... Seriously, the unemployed team at gmail.com. Very, very easy. Or DM us on any social media platform, Twitter, or on Instagram. Uh, we had so much fun doing that episode where we talked about uh, other people's job stories than our own. So I love it and uh, I want to do more of it. And uh, that's it. Find us. You want to watch this episode? You want to see how cute we are, y'all? Go to the Patreon. Throw us a couple bucks. It's very sweet. You spend money on coffee. You know why not entertainment? Why not the support the arts? Why not? Come on. Why not? Right now, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody who has supported our Patreon. This is your shout-out right here from me. Tons of love, and if you haven't checked out our Patreon, all of our videos go up there. Sometimes I just write fun things because I feel like it, and it's just a really nice way to support us at Unemployed, and, you know, so we can keep this thing going. We do it for nothing. We do it for fun. We do it for you to listen to. So definitely check out the Patreon, and right now, huge shout-out to our patrons, Bill Horton, Chi of Steele, Danielle McCartney, Lori Jackson, Jeannie Logan, we got Joe Galati, Chris Arneson, Jordan Lucero, Oscar Yuen, Ken Levin, and Vic Terry. Thank you so much. You have no idea how much it means to us, and I appreciate you, and I see you, and I love you.